Good evening. To open your Bibles real quick to Psalm 1, read from there to start tonight. Psalm 1. It says, verse 1, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for that time of worship, Lord, where we, uh, through the songs, Lord, and, and the words, we can um, just draw near to you with our thoughts and our minds and our hearts, Lord, and uh, prepare, uh, being prepared for the teaching of your word, Lord, the moving of your spirit. We pray that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, we pray that you would, through your word, teach us, and that we would be, as we're studying, as we're looking at this, Lord, that we would truly be disciples, willing to learn from you, not resistant, Lord, not hard-hearted or dull of hearing, Lord, but that our ears would be open, our hearts would be soft, Lord, and that we would be taught by you, Lord. We ask this in your name, amen. Psalm 1, uh, Started there um, because, uh, uh, as you guys know, we're looking at discipleship. Um, we talked about what the de- definition of a disciple is, someone who is a learner, someone who follows, who's being taught by a master, a teacher, someone who is a pupil, who's sitting under their instruction, someone who is um, submitted to the wisdom and the knowledge and the understanding of uh, someone who is greater, a, a person who is following along in the life and the actions, the teaching, the, the, um, the application of the teacher that they're with. That's a disciple. And the ultimate goal, the end result that is being sought by a teacher for his disciples, for his students, for his pupils, is to grow to grow in understanding and wisdom and knowledge and to, to grow into maturity. And that's what a true disciple of Christ is, is someone who is growing, not stagnant, not dead, not stationary, but growing, growing in relationship with the Lord, growing in understanding uh, of the word of God, growing in Uh, their application of the word, growing in their relationship with the Lord. And Psalm 1, I love Psalm 1, it's one of my favorite psalms. You see that contrast. It says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. He's, He's putting off those other things, not going to the counsel of the ungodly, not being in that path where sinners walk, no sit, not sitting, not resting down in the scornful, those who would scorn wisdom and teaching, but the opposite, having uh, his delight in the law of the Lord, in the, in the teaching and his commandments and his word, and meditating on it day and night, being like that cow that heart that chews the grass off the field and, and chews it up and swallows it into his first stomach and then regurgitates it and chews it up again and swallows it again and does that over and over to get the most nutrients out of it. That's that picture there, meditate. That's what that means in Hebrew, to, to dwell on that, to continuously go back to it and to get the most out of it. That's what we're called to as believers, to be in the word. And here's the end result. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree, 
solid, firm, strong, planted. Its roots go deep into the earth, seeking out where the water and the moisture is. A tree that grows tall and spreads forth its branches has green leaf, green leaves because it's planted right by the streams of water. Um, it brings fruit forth in its season when it's supposed to. Um, and that is the picture of a disciple of Christ, someone who's following in his footsteps, someone who is remaining uh, as a learner, as a disciple of Christ, is to be growing up into spiritual maturity. And that's what we are seeking as Christians, as believers. That's what the Lord wants for us is to grow, not to remain where we started when we play, first placed our faith in him, but to grow, to progress. Are you growing? Have you progressed beyond where you began? Are you still struggling with the same things? Now, we have temptations. We know from the word in our flesh we have those things that, that we will struggle with, that we will have um, temptations in and, and being faced with trials and all of these things that we have until uh, we have our incorruptible bodies put on, as the Bible speaks of. Uh, we have all of those things, but are you still being stumbled up by them constantly? Have you, or do you have victory? Are you walking in victory in Christ? Do you still remain in doubt over the simple things that the word teaches? Or have you learned through the applying of God's word to trust him, to trust what he has said, to, to follow him? Are you applying it? Are you growing? Are you staying where the Lord has planted you? Are, are you content with what he's given you and what he's done for you? Or, or are you looking for other places? Because if the Lord's planted you in that, in that place, uh, that's where you're going to have the sustenance that he provides for you. Uh, and, and that's what we need to ask ourselves. Am I growing? Turn with me to Second Peter. Chapter 3. Look at verse 14. It says, Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, he had just, Peter had just spoken of the new earth, the new heavens, where righteousness dwells, where the believer will go, um, who's placed their faith in Christ. And he says, Looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace. That be diligent is the key to maturity, being diligent without spot. And blameless, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation. That though we desire to be with Him soon, if He tarries, it's His long suffering and it's producing salvation not just in us but in others around us who perhaps have not placed their faith in Him yet. As also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of scriptures. We see we're to labor in the word, being diligent in the promises, and to not be thrown off guard, to not be stumbled at the things that the word teaches, and then walk away from the Lord. There are hard things in the scriptures, but to not twist them, but to understand that these are the scriptures of God. God breathed. Right? It's written by inspiration of God, useful for teaching, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, and to be faithful to what God's word says. And then verse 17, he says, You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. So Peter, he's saying that we are to have diligence, to be diligent in our walk. We have the end result in mind. If you've placed your faith in Christ, you know the promise is eternal life, is being in heaven with the Lord, is being in his presence, to have those beautiful eternal treasures that were promised in the scriptures. And to have that understanding, then we need to be diligent here on earth. 
We need to be willing to wrestle with the Lord in the scriptures, willing to wrestle with the struggles and the difficulties of life, and to not throw in the towel and walk away. We need to be diligent. That's what we're called to as disciples of the Lord, and and to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. We're called to grow, not just in the grace, where it's that understanding of God's unmerited favor, that he loves us, that he died for us, that he's given us these beautiful blessings and promises if we placed our faith in him. But we also need to grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, to know him. I love that it says our Lord and Savior. Is Christ your Savior? If not, you're not going to heaven. There's no eternal blessings for you if Christ is not your Savior. But if Christ is your Savior, we must not forget that he's also our Lord. That he is to be master and ruler in our lives. And we're called to grow in that. To grow in our relationship with him. Is Christ becoming more and more Lord in your life? Ruling over your life? Has he taken the throne of your heart and taken place there? Or are you still trying to push him out? Are you resistant against him? Are you growing in grace, understanding that's nothing you can do to obtain salvation? But it's because of what he's done for you that then you walk in diligence and in obedience to him. We're to grow, we're to have spiritual maturity. It's diligence in walking with the Lord and maintaining this process of growing. It's not stagnating, not getting to a certain point and saying, I'm good now. I can just sit back and I've got it. I placed my faith in Christ. I said the sinner's prayer. I go to church every Sunday. Uh, I open my Bible every once in a while. I'm good to go. That's not what we're called to. We're called to more and more obedience in him and to grow um, and to be steadfast in our faith. Colossians 1.10, it says, uh, and Paul's praying here for the church in Colossae, he said that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's the prayer for the church. That's what the Lord wants for us, that we walk worthy of him, that we represent him rightly as a disciple. We're being discipled by Christ so that we can be like Christ, to walk worthy of him, to not be ashamed of our lives, to not be ashamed of our actions or our or our thoughts, but to walk with him because we're, we're uh, taking every thought captive, becoming obedient to the Lord, uh, and, and we're walking by the leading of the Holy Spirit. And this walking worthy of the Lord is marked by producing fruit in actions. It's obedience. It's not just knowledge, head knowledge. It's not just this feeling of contentment or peace, but it's action. It's being obedient it's when the Lord says that we're to, um, to give up our sins, to repent of our sins, that we repent of them. When the Lord says that we're to walk in love, that we're choosing to walk in love. When the Lord says that we're to make disciples of all peoples, that we're, we're seeking to share the gospel with others and lead them to Christ. We're, we're seeking to be obedient in him and producing those fruits in our deeds and our actions. And then to experience an increase in our knowledge of God that's gained through experiencing him. That's that word. Then the knowledge increasing in the knowledge of God is an experiential knowledge. Where you've, you've experienced who he is and what he's done and his faithfulness. And what obedience to him produces in your life. Which is good fruit. We're called to be spiritually mature. So how do we do that? Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First Corinthians 13 verse 11. Paul, he's talking about uh, love, which is the ultimate fruit of the Holy Spirit working in the life of a believer. Love that, that uh, has the characteristics and aspects that reflect Christ, Jesus, our Savior, and walking in those things. And he's talking about the spiritual gifts. But verse 11, he says, When I was a child, I spoke as a child. 
I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. So how do we grow? By putting away childish things as believers. Putting those things away. There has to be a change first and foremost. That's what this putting away is produced by, is becoming, like Paul says, a man, a woman, a a mature Christian. To know that Christ has called you to something else. That Christ has saved you, and and now I'm going to become a disciple and walking with him. When there's that change, then I realize, like Christ says, I need to count the cost of following him. Take up my cross and follow him. I need to put away childish things. Like Paul says, to lay aside every weight and the the sins which so easily ensnare us and run the race ahead of us. To put away childish things. We're we're to put those things away. Childish things as a believer are, are things like continuously doubting the Lord and what he's promised us. Right? We have doubts. You're not, it's not that you lose your salvation when you have a doubt of the Lord. I think all of us, the most mature Christians, have doubts. But does that doubt sidetrack you from following the Lord? Or do you come back to the Word and say, nevertheless, this is what God's Word says. Nevertheless, this is what He's taught me. This is what He's promised me. This is what He desires for me. And, and, and choosing to not turn away from Him. Childish things are being easily offended as a believer, as a Christian, right? Think of a child. They're easily put off by something. You tell a child no when it's something they really want and they throw a fit. can scream for hours, banging on the walls, kicking their feet, doing everything they can to get their way, right? That's a childish thing. Do we complain, grumble? Do we throw a fit when the Lord takes something away from us or when there's a difficulty in our lives? Or are we willing as an adult to face the challenges that God has placed in front of us with faith, with a resolve to follow him, with diligence and persistence with him? Are, are we willing to put away those childish things? Are, are, are we willing to grow in our understanding of the word of God, where we're saying, I'm not going to just sit here and just, I've got salvation down, I've got, you know, that I need to repent of my sins down. But then, I don't know about reading the book of Revelation or studying the Old Testament or going to these other things that can be difficult to understand. But am I, am I growing in those things? Am I putting away my, my childish aversion to good, solid, strong food? And am I willing to dive in and, and again, wrestle with the Lord on these things and seek Him, being a diligent student of the Word of God? We're to put away childish things, these attitudes. What stops us from putting away childish things? And that's carnality. Turn over a few chapters to chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians. Carnality, which is fleshliness. Walking in your flesh, being a slave to it. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 it says, And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people like adults, but as to carnal people who just have a mind of flesh. You haven't progressed beyond your own fleshly understanding to the spiritual things. It says, I had to speak to you as to babes in Christ, like you're brand new and know nothing. It says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. From until now, you weren't able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, he says, for you are still carnal. For where there are envy, strife, and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? And then he goes on to give the specific examples he's speaking of there. But that's the state of so many within the church, is that we have to be taught or spoken to as though we're just babes in Christ. Like you're a brand new Christian who hasn't even cracked open the word of God and doesn't know what the scriptures teach. That you don't know that there are difficult and hard things that Christ calls us to and teaches us in the word of God. Where you get, again, easily offended by things that are a challenge to your flesh. Where the Holy Spirit is convicting you to move beyond those things that are holding you back. Uh, We have to be spoken to as babes. 
and to be fed with milk and not solid food, those basic things. Again, am I still just needing to go back to, yeah, I need to repent of my sins. I need, to, I need to be in the word of God. I need to do these things. We need to be reminded of those things and we should never leave off those things. But we need to move beyond them. And we need to go deeper with the Lord. And we're hindered from that if we're carnal. If, if we're walking in our flesh. If we're not denying ourselves, again, it's tied into putting away those childish things. If we're hanging on to envy, jealousy, strife, fighting, and divisions. It says, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Obviously, there's more fruit and more evidence of being carnal and fleshly. But is that how I'm walking as a Christian? Am I walking in, in my flesh or am I walking by the Spirit of God? It's a choice that we're called to. We're called to walk in the Spirit. That means that we choose to seek the Holy Spirit for filling, for guidance, for leading, for direction, and then to be obedient in what we're told, what is revealed in the Word of God, the teaching of the Holy Spirit to us, to be obedient in those things. And if we're not walking by that, we're walking in our flesh, and we're going to be like childish, immature babies in Christ rather than growing into disciples that are mature, that are following him, right? An immature plant is easily plucked up out of the ground and cast aside, dries up, doesn't bear fruit. But a mature plant grows, produces fruit, has deep roots, remains where it's planted, doesn't get blown over by the wind, right? None of those things. And that's what the Lord desires for us as Christians, is to grow, to not be hindered by our flesh and walking according to our flesh. We need to put off those things, put away childish things. Are there things in your life that are childish things that you're holding on to, right? I don't know about everybody else, but I cringe sometimes when I see just in the world uh, men who should be walking as mature men, being responsible for their families, working a job, uh, and and working to uh, take care of what they have in their lives, but rather they're just sitting and, and wasting their lives away because they want to do things that are fun or easy or they don't want a challenge or they're, they've uh, still uh, just immature adults. I run into men all the time in the world who, who act like they're still in high school who've never progressed beyond being a teenager. And if we see that in the world and there's an aversion to that, hopefully, uh, then how much more so spiritually do we need to have that? We need to grow. And the growing is by recognizing those things that are childish, that we need to move beyond, that we need to say, I'm going to put those things away. I'm going to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. I'm going to be desiring the strong food, solid food of the word. To have the milk, the good things, those things that start us out in our, in our nutrition, our spiritual nutrition, but to move beyond and to grow, right? Nobody wants to see a 40-year-old baby, right? We, you want to see a, an adult that's functioning, that's living, that's, that's doing the things that a, an adult should do. And that's what we need to be as Christians, to move beyond. It's not enough for us to just sit back and let the Lord and salvation happen to us, but to apply it, to work, to, to be diligent in these things. So turn over to chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. The other way we grow to spiritually mature Christians is by cultivating our understanding. By growing in our understanding. Look at verse 20. Paul, again, he's speaking to the Corinthian church who seemed to struggle with spiritual immaturity. And he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Prophecy and tongues and and these different things. But he says, verse 20, he says, Brethren, don't be children in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding, be mature, he says. And then he goes on to continue to talk about tongues in the church and church meetings and all of these other things. He says to the Corinthian church, you're being a child in your understanding. You're acting like you cannot be taught. 
You're acting like someone who doesn't know how to sit and to listen and to learn and to move on and to grow in those things. Don't be a child in your understanding. Understanding is produced by the knowledge of God's will. It's produced by growing, by learning in God's will. Colossians 1.9, it says, For this reason, we also, again, this is Paul praying here for the Colossian church. He says, For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The knowledge of God's will, when we are filled with it, produces wisdom, which is practical knowledge. It's knowing how to use what we've learned. And spiritual understanding, where we're settled in the spiritual truths. And it's produced by knowing God's will. How do we know God's will? By being in his word. That's how we know his will. And applying it to our lives. Hebrews 11.3, it says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Here the writer of Hebrews, he's speaking of a specific truth, but it plays true through all of these things that we're called to understand. It's by faith. It's by trusting in the Lord. By faith we understand. By faith we understand that God is who he said he is. By faith we understand that he died on the cross for our sins. By faith we understand that he's called us to grow. By faith we understand we're to be filled with the Spirit each day. By faith we understand. And then we grow and we apply those things that we understand, that we're settled in, our understanding. And then what ties into this is that well-known verse, Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Right? We, we have faith. How do we get faith? It comes by hearing. And that hearing comes by the word of God. The word of God, being in it, reading it, studying it, knowing it, produces hearing. Now, we're not talking about just audible hearing, but it speaks of receiving both God's grace, what he's given to us and promised to us, and his call to repentance and to move on. That's the hearing. By faith, uh, by being in the word of God, it produces that understanding uh, of his grace and what he's done for us. Settled in, in, in his salvation for us. But then also acting upon that. And being a repentant person. And, and being obedient to his call. So then we have that fearing. And that, that hearing. And then that hearing produces that faith. Where we're settled. Where, we, where, where, where we're choosing to believe God and take him at his word. Where we're now uh, convinced of who he is. And now we're committed to him. Where we have that faith. And that faith then produces understanding, which is a persistent faith. Understanding speaks of being settled in your mind, settled in your heart. It's, you're not easily shaken. You're not easily swayed, having a persistent faith. And then also having wisdom, which again is, is faith in action. That's what wisdom is. Is saying, I believe God has promised these things to me. I believe that, that uh, he has all of these things for me if I'm obedient to him. And, and then moving into being obedient. It's progressing on. And, and so we, we're called to cultivate our understanding so that we're growing solid, sure. We have that strong foundation where we're not, again, led astray or easily shaken from our faith. Understanding is hindered by um, sin, by fleshliness. Again, turn over to 1 Peter chapter 2. It says, Therefore, laying aside, again, just like putting away, Laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Uh, if, if we are not choosing to lay aside these things, malice is wickedness that's unashamed to break laws. That's what malice is. Where, where you, you have no shame of, of being disobedient to the Lord. 
We're called to lay that aside. Deceitfulness. Deceit. You know what that is. Craftiness. Deceitfulness. Not, not being true. Sneaking around. Seeing what you can get away with as a Christian. What you can get away with when it comes to sin. Hypocrisy is acting apart, right? To put away hypocrisy, don't put on a show. If you've sinned, repent, confess, move on. Don't hang on to it. Don't play a part. Don't be a hypocrite. Lay those things aside. Envy, it's jealousy and ill will. Are you a jealous person? Do you have ill will against a brother or sister in the church? Because of something that they have. Maybe the Lord's blessed them with a good job or, or a nice house or something else. Maybe it's nothing like that. Maybe it's just envy of things that you don't have. And then you're always constantly complaining and grumbling. And you have ill will towards people who do. We're to lay those things aside. And evil speaking. That's backbiting and defamation. Do you gossip? Do you complain? Do you grumble? Do you backbite against Believers and non-believers. Is that, is that something that you're, you walk in or that you have that you're hanging on to? We're called to lay all those things aside. If we don't lay them aside, we're not going to be settled in our faith and in our understanding of the Lord. Because they're going to hinder us from being able to partake in the pure milk of the word. It's like a poison that keeps the nutrition of the, the pure milk from producing growth in our lives. If, if we're not laying these things aside... Romans chapter 1 declares that all these same things here are the marks of a debased mind that's rejected God. So why should we hold on to those things, walk in those things? Maybe you're not doing all of these things outwardly, but maybe it's an attitude in your heart. Where you're unthankful to the Lord, as we see in Romans 1, is kind of the beginning of that. Not recognizing God as creator, God as being powerful, God and the truth that he declares, and not being thankful for what he's done for us and who he is. Not recognizing him. And then in that attitude of unthankfulness in our hearts, then it produces sin. It produces a debased mind where we reject the things of God. We're called to lay aside those things because as Titus 3 declares, we once lived in those things. That should be the past for a Christian. Christ has saved us from those things. Right? We're called to then move on beyond those things. And if we lay them aside, then we'll grow in our understanding. Many times I think that the doubts and the instability in our hearts and our lives is because we're unwilling to take the Lord at his word and to be obedient to him. And it's until we choose to step forward in faith and obedience to him, then we're going to constantly be fallen, constantly be stumbling, constantly not growing. Uh, And it's when we have that obedience to him, desiring the pure milk of the word, that we may grow thereby. And then it's that beautiful thing, because it's not just milk that tastes bland, that's that's just a, a pain and a struggle to go through, but it says... Uh, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. When you choose to be obedient to him, then the things he has for you is his graciousness, his kindness. It's things that are good for you. Now, some, obviously, there's challenges. There's all those difficulties and everything. But then you're settled in your heart and your mind about the Lord and who he is. And then those challenges and those difficulties and all of those other things then become good things in your life because the Lord's doing a work. The Lord's growing you as you remain in him. So we grow into spiritually mature Christians by following Christ's example. He's our example. Ephesians 4, uh, once you turn there. Verse 11 Here again, Paul, to the Ephesian church, he's talking about spiritual gifts. He's talking about how the Holy Spirit has, and the Lord has produced uh, ministries within the church. Verse 11, it says, And he gave himself some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. So we see the the different gifts and callings that the Lord has done uh, set up in the church. 
to teach and to produce disciples, to grow. And that's what it says, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man who's Christ, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And then it says that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. And then he goes on from there. But we're called to follow Christ's example. The ministry of the Spirit among the body of Christ is how we learn to follow Christ's example. He's given us his word, where we have the the teachings of the apostles as they followed and were disciples of Christ. And the Holy Spirit inspired the words that they wrote down to be here for us and, and now is in our hands in a language we can understand with the Holy Spirit in us who can speak to us and illuminate in our hearts what the truths are in the scriptures. Um, But to be in that community, the body of Christ, where we're called to to, uh, have communion with him, to be taught, to be equipped for the work of the ministry, and to be built up as a body of Christ. And, And the goal is then to come to that unity of faith, knowledge of the Son of God, and to be Uh, uh, come to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, to grow up in all things into Christ, who is the head of the church. That's what we're called to. That means that we as Christians should not forsake the gathering together of the saints. We're not to forsake the teaching of the word of God. We're not to forsake the ministry of the spirit in the church, the body of Christ, because that is how we're taught to then follow Christ's example. Look at, look at the parables and all the examples and teachings that he gave his disciples in dealing with one another. He called his disciples to be servants. He washed their feet. He told them to love each other. He has all of these teachings, and it's never about just one person. It's always about this, this, um, his body and the church and the ministry of the church and we're called to as Christians to be in that fellowship to not forsake we're not islands unto ourselves we have responsibilities individually and personally which is what we're looking at as disciples of Christ but part of that then is to be within the church and to be in the word of God and the teaching and the ministry and all of these things because that's how the Holy Spirit teaches us how to follow Christ's example Philippians 3, once you turn there. Paul here, verse 12, he writes, he says, Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, that same mind that Paul just talked about, knowing that I haven't already attained, I'm not already perfected, and I need to press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of me. That I'm forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things are, which are ahead and pressing forward. He says, let us have this mind. If you're mature, you have this mind. Where you're moving forward, you're pressing on. You know that you haven't come to perfection. It's not this settled thing. I've learned it all. I've heard it all. I've read the Bible once and that's all I need. Right? It's not that. It's pressing forward as a disciple, a learner. Leaving those things which are behind and reaching forward to those which are ahead. We're, we're to leave behind the past life, our old life, the, the, the things which hinder us. And we're to press forward in our walk. We're to push forward. It's a constant, willful state of mind that is lived out. 
That is what we're called to, is to have that, to be mature. And that's how uh, the following Christ's example is produced in our life, is to have that mind in us, that understanding again. Um, and this is hindered if, if, uh, by being unstable in doctrine, the right teaching of the word of God, the trickery of men, and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, to be led astray, to not know the word of God. We won't mature if we don't know the word of God because then we're going to easily be led astray. We're going to easily see the latest book on the shelf in the Christian bookstore that contains New Age mysticism or or some pop psychology in it about how to be a better you and all of these other things. You're going to easily be led astray. And you're not going to know that there's poison in those things if you don't know the word of God, if you don't have that understanding and you're not pressing forward in it, to have this willful state of mind uh, of that I need to grow, that if I'm not growing, I'm sliding backwards, that I need to remain faithful to the word of God and to what he's taught me, that I need to press forward. Like Pastor Dan's pastor in California used to always say, if you're not climbing up, you're sliding down. The, The walk of a Christian is like a greased pole, right? If you're not climbing up, you're going down. And that's the same thing. We need to press forward to have that understanding, to push forward. Philippians 3, verse 19, it says, um, actually look at verse 17. It says, brethren, join in following my example. So Paul says, follow my example. And note those who so walk, who walk like his example. For you have us for a pattern. Again, the church and the apostles and the examples of those who've come before us following Christ and being faithful to him and the word of God. It says, follow that example. For as many walk, for many walk, he says, of whom I have told you often and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. There are enemies out there. There are imposters. There are false teachers and they're growing more and more. That's the sign of the end times. We see it more and more false teaching out there that's meant to deceive us, to lead us astray. And so we need to be willing, humble disciples of God's word and what he said. And the examples that are set before us in his word. And and to not grow uh, too big in our heads to say, I don't need this anymore. I need something else. Because it says, verse 19, that those who walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. It says, whose end is destruction. Whose God is their belly and whose glory is in their shame. Who set their mind on earthly things. That's what following The world gives destruction, having your flesh as being the God that dictates everything you do, carnality, whose glory is in their shame. They glory in things that they should be ashamed of. That's what we see in the world around us, right? Calling good evil and evil good, glorying in shameful, shameful things and setting their minds on earthly things. If we are not willing to be wholly dedicated to God's word, then we're going to be led astray. We're going to fall backwards. We're we're going to backslide. We need to follow Christ's example. We need to follow the example set before us in the scriptures. We need to be obedient to the word of God and to not set our minds on earthly things. Verse 20, it says, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. That's the end result, is that he'll produce that in us. We need to walk with him. We need to walk with him. We need to continue to walk with him. We need to be diligent disciples following him to grow, to progress in our faith. Hebrews 5.14, it says, but solid food belongs to those who are full of age or of full age. That is those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We need to partake of the deeper truths. We've talked about this. But we need to have that solid food. And how do, we, how do we gain that solid food? It's by reason of use to exercise our senses, to discern good and evil, to test all things, to practice what we have. Uh, in my uh, work 
Um, I'm a manager of a team of installation and repair technicians for Whidbey Telecom on the south end. And we hire young and experienced people to come in and, and to train and to learn. That's how I started in my position. And uh, when you throw somebody brand new into a trade like that, they often walk into a situation just completely unaware of what to do. Deer in the headlights look, and, and you as a, an experienced technician who's trying to train them, you can tell them, okay, now you have to go under the house, you have to run this wire over here, you have to drill through the floor, you have to do these things, punch down this jack, do all these other things. And, and a lot of times you'll get somebody saying, really, I have to go there, I have to do that, I have to do these things. Um, and then when they finally go in and start doing that work, you know, they'll shoot a staple through the wire you're doing and you'll have to pull it out and put it back in. Or they'll drill a hole through somebody's bathtub or do all these other things, right? There's always this stumbling and these, this, this um, not being confident in what they're doing and a lack of experience. But as you continuously challenge these new technicians with uh, new problems and other things, they learn how to face those challenges. Their hands grow used to how the tools work, right, where it becomes second nature, muscle memory for how they're using the tools, to where they get into a situation, a home that's crazy, huge house where they've got 10 different places you got to run wire to, um, and, and it's stucco walls and, and no crawl space and all these other things that make it impossible, and where before they'd be completely caught off their guard, now they kind of know how to manage those and navigate those situations, and that's uh, all through practice, through exercise, through continuous challenging uh, of their strengths and of their weaknesses and of all of those things. And that is what we're called to as disciples of Christ. That's where we're following him is then we're being challenged and we're exercising those things. Unless we're constantly putting these things into application and practice in our lives, then we're not going to progress. We're not going to move forward. We're called to desire the pure milk of the word and grow by it, like we read in First Peter. But we're to go beyond that to solid food. And we do that by reason of use, by practice, by, by pressing forward. Again, we're, we're not going to always be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're, we're going to have things that we don't know and maybe we'll never have settled in our minds uh, about some of these spiritual truths. But if we're practicing these things, if we're applying them to our lives, then we'll grow in them. And again, it falls back to that faith in God, where we're settled, where we have that foundation that then as we come into these other challenges, we're not led astray. We're not caught off guard. We're not, we're not um, uh, blown about by these winds of false doctrine, where we're not um, stumbled by all of these other things. But we have a spiritual maturity that, again, like Psalm 1 says, a tree planted by streams of water, a solid, firm tree. At 1 John 2.14, uh, he says, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the wicked one. So we grow into spiritual maturity by knowing him who is from the beginning, knowing God. By then testing him and growing in our strength in him. By, by reason of use again. And be, having the word of God abiding in us. And then overcoming the wicked one. First John 2.13, it tells us that we're to know the God of the word. And then First John 2.14, like we read, says we're supposed to know the word of God. We to have that, and then we're to obey him and to follow him. And when we do that, then we overcome the world, we overcome our flesh, we overcome Satan, and we have victory, and we're growing in that victory, and we move on. Proverbs twelve three it says, A man is not established by wickedness, but the root of the righteous cannot be moved. And that's what we're called to is to grow. Uh, we need to examine our hearts and our lives and ask the Lord, are there things, again, that are holding us back from walking with him? 
have I put away childish things? Or am I still staying in that place where I first began as a Christian? Or maybe you progressed for a time and something sidetracked you. And now you're stuck. If you're in that place, the Lord calls us to return to our first love. Right? To go back. To understand what Christ has done for us. What he's called us to. The pure milk of the word of salvation. Repentance from sin. And then move on. The beautiful thing is that as long as we're here, as long as we're living, God is not done with us if we continue to then come back to him and we continue to walk with him that a righteous man falls seven times and then gets up again, right? It's not that idea of we're continuously, constantly, always perfect and have nothing that happens to us that causes us to get tripped up. But it's that when we do trip up, when we stumble, when we sin, when we face these challenges, we come back to the Lord and and we press on with him and we move forward in our walk with him. And then we have that root that cannot be moved and we become mature spiritual Christians, disciples of Christ that are rightly representing him. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that we truly would grow in our walks with you. Lord, that we would not be stagnant Christians, Lord. That we wouldn't be uh, weak, childish, immature Christians like we see so much in the church nowadays, Lord. That we would be teachers of the word of God, diligent students in your word, that we would be prayer warriors walking by faith in you, Lord, that we would be uh, lights that shine in the darkness, sharing the gospel to one, to the people around us, Lord, that we would be men and women who would stand fast against the enemy and his fiery darts and the things that he casts against us, Lord that we would be people who are not shaken in mind, that are not easily led astray, but that we would be faithful disciples that grow with you, Lord, following your example. We ask this in your name. Amen.